God, we begin this journey with you. We begin this journey with your word. Lord, may this word be like manna for us, spiritual food, that as we feast in the wilderness, we might recognize your gifts in this place, in this season. So Lord, would you turn down the volume on all the other voices that would seek to distract us in this moment? Our voices, the accusers' voices, those things that we have left undone, so that we might hear your still small voice alone, so that your word might not only kiss our ears, but also touch the ears of our hearts, that we might live out your word in beautiful ways with our lives. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We ask all of this in the strong name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. So this is what is um, interesting about Jesus's moment in the wilderness, is knowing the precursor to what happened before Jesus got into the wilderness. You might remember that Jesus was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. And when Jesus comes out of the Jordan River, at that particular moment, the heavens open up and a voice from the heavens says to Jesus, you are my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And along with the voice that comes down from the heavens, Jesus has also been gassed up, as the young people like to say, by his cousin John. John has said to those who are literally in the wilderness, who come to deserted places, this one who is the Messiah, he is so holy, I am not worthy even to get down and to untie his shoe straps. So Jesus begins his earthly ministry with all of these words that remind him of his identity, of his good, goodness, and also the mission that he is to accomplish in this world. And after he has the supernatural experience where God the Father speaks to Jesus as he's coming out of the baptismal waters, all of a sudden he is thrust into the wilderness. It's like those um, seasons in your life when everything seems to be going right, everyone is saying all the right things to you, you are feeling good about yourself, and then the other shoe drops. Out of nowhere, the people that you thought were for you now are against you. The ways in which you were navigating and moving through this world, they no longer seem to work for you. Jesus is thrust into the wilderness and the other shoe drops. For 40 days, he goes without eating. In the other um, gospel accounts, it says that even the angels have to attend to Jesus and even keep him safe from the wild beasts. This is not um, a glamping that Jesus is doing. And the wilderness moment doesn't just speak to what he is physically up to, but kind of a spiritual um, moment that Jesus has in his life before he's going to live out his purpose in ministry. His you are my son, the beloved with you I am well pleased, is now replaced by the voice of the accuser. So there are two things that I want to highlight in this particular passage of scripture. The first is this. Jesus, who has heard from John the Baptist how wonderful he is, Jesus, who has heard from God the Father just how beloved he is, now all of a sudden those words are replaced by the word of the one who always comes to cause a lot of confusion, a lot of stress, and a lot of doubt. The accuser, the devil, comes to Jesus in the midst of this wilderness wandering and begins to turn God's words around. 
That's what makes the accuser so slick. The accuser doesn't just come up with his own stuff like, hey, you know, Jesus, if you turn to my book, this is what I have written in my book. But instead says things like, why don't you jump? Because you know what? I know scripture. And the scripture says that if you were to jump, the angels will attend to you that you won't even dash your foot against the stone. One of the most um, difficult things about when we are also in a wilderness moment which we're about to take over these 40 days, is that the accuser will begin to make you believe things that are not true about the goodness of God. Didn't God say that God will never leave you or forsake you? Well, you look pretty lonely right now. Didn't God say that God would come with an everlasting well? It looks like you're kind of thirsty right now. Didn't God say that uh, God is the bread of heaven, but you seem to really be hungering spiritually right now? Uh, Didn't didn't, uh, God say that he's the great physician? Well, God, you seem to be so broken right now. The accuser will come and will begin to twist things around. Oh, you're, you're God's beloved. Go ahead and jump. That you begin to doubt the ways in which God might be at work in your life. The other thing that the, um, the accuser does, that the devil does, is that in Jesus' weak state, he is famished and he is in the wilderness, basically tries to double dare Jesus. Like, this is the moment where, where the devil's like, you can do this. I mean, come on, buddy. Just jump. Which, when we're in our weakened states, sometimes our first reaction is, okay, how can I get myself out of this situation? The accuser knows exactly where to come at Jesus uh, in this particular moment. But here's the second thing that that I think is important for us to know as we also begin our wilderness wandering throughout this season of Lent. Is that it says that specifically the devil comes to tempt Jesus. And temptations speak to our places of vulnerability and oftentimes to our places of of need. Temptations are oftentimes the places where we are scrambling to hold on too tightly because we're not quite sure that God is holding tightly on to us. They're the places where we're scrambling to fill ourselves uh, uh, and to patch up kind of with duct tape, a spiritual duct tape, the, the places uh, in, our, in our lives. So it's not that the devil comes to taunt Jesus. The devil doesn't come to torture Jesus. The devil comes to poke at Jesus in the vulnerable places and the places of need. Maybe exactly where Jesus needed great help in a 40-day long journey in the wilderness. Feed yourself, Jesus. Take this false power, Jesus. Jump and show me what you can do, Jesus. Basically, Jesus, just help yourself. Come on, show me what you got. Prove to me that you can do this thing in your wilderness moment. And over and over again, with these three temptations, Jesus, in essence, responds to the accuser, I will not be seduced to prove my power and even points to the ways in which 
God will be at work. I'm not going to bow down before you because I only worship the Lord alone. You are not the one who can help me. And your protestations that I can help myself can lead me into some dangerous situations. I have a vulnerable place that is only entrusted to God. You know what I love about Jesus in the wilderness? Is that if you have ever in your seasons of life been too afraid to point to your places of vulnerability and need, Jesus did it. Jesus was famished. Jesus had angels to attend to him and to keep him from the wild beasts. Jesus had to, when the, when, the, when the accuser would come, had to have a response like, no, 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 I will not be seduced by the things that you're inviting me into. Instead, I'm going to trust in God alone. We start off the Lenten journey not with Jesus doing something high and mighty. We start off the Lenten journey with seeing Jesus being very human. If you have ever thought that, you know, once I get older, or once I get a little wiser, or once I hit my 40th year of life, or once I have my 50th birthday, or once I have this particular degree, or once I get a little bit of training, or once I learn how to lead a staff, if you have a once I get to, then all will be well with the world, you will find that the once I will never come. It will never come. There are going to be seasons in our lives when we are going to have life poking at our vulnerability and our places of need, which means that we have to have the courage enough to say, this is the place where I need help. I am being seduced. God's words are even being flipped on their head for, over me. This is the place where I need help. Now, this is what I have figured out in about 14 years of ministry. Pretty much 0% of the time do people march into my office, sit down and say, you know what, I love asking for help, said no one. <laughs> in fact, this is oftentimes the, the place where people will say it is so difficult. I'm drowning in my fears, I'm drowning in my sorrows, I'm drowning in anxiety, I'm drowning in trying to figure out how to make this particular thing happen, and I'm too afraid to ask for help. And if you have ever had that feeling creep up in you, recognize that even Jesus, the one who was raised for us, the one who is God wrapped up in human flesh, also had places of vulnerability and need. The Lenten season is to be 40 days that remind us that God can change us, that God can move and work in our lives, that there's some things that we've got to let go of and some things that God wants us to hold on to. But we won't get from A to Z if we find it very difficult to say, and God, this is where I need you. This is where I'm tempted in my wilderness. This is where I feel so fragile. This is where the accuser really starts to knock me off of my game. 
This is where I begin to doubt who you are. This is where I'm famished. Help. Help. So in these 40 days, as you've been thrust into the wilderness, let it be okay that God has carved out one season for you to be able to say, help. Will you pray with me? I'm going to pray this morning a prayer by the spiritual writer Anne Lamott. And I pray that these words that help us to cry out help will make us courageous enough to point to the places in our lives where we need God to show up. So God, when we have run out of good ideas on how to fix the unfixable, when we finally stop trying to heal our sick, stressed minds with our sick, stressed minds, when we are truly at the end of our rope and just done, God will say help. God, we say help, this is really all too much. Or help, I'm slowly going crazy. Or help, I can't do this, or help, I can't stop doing this, or God help, I can't feel anything, or help, he or she is going to leave me, or help, I have no life. God help, I hate the life I've created, or help, I've forgotten to have a life. Or help, I forgot to pay attention to my life as my life scrolled by. And God, when I ask for your help, may it also give me pause to thank you for all the simple blessings, for all the ways in which you show up to be the one who helps the helpless, the way you show up to speak true words in the wilderness. The way you look at us in our need when you come to our help. May it be so for us over these 40 days that we might say help, thanks, wow. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.